Father, we pray that you would speak to us today, even through my weak and foolish words. Amen. Good morning. Christmas is great. Who doesn't like Christmas? Who doesn't like gifts and trees and decorating their house and eating good things? Everyone likes Christmas. Jesus is still a baby. He hasn't said those things that make us feel uncomfortable and nervous yet. Christmas is great. Now we, we celebrate Epiphany. Epiphany means the revelation, revealing of Jesus, Jesus' revelation to us. And we celebrate it because the, the three wise men came and they were the first Gentiles, the first non-Jews to meet Jesus. God's plan, like we read about in the um, epistle reading from St. Paul, has been revealed. The mystery that has long been hidden has been revealed. But when the mystery, when Jesus has been revealed to us, now we have a choice. What do we do with that? It's not enough to know, it's not enough to have it opened to you, but we have a choice. So that's what our story today is about. That's what stories do, they show us things. They show us what happens and how people respond to it. Whenever we read good literature, that's how we read it. And when we read narrative, which is what we call story in the Bible, that's what we're going to do. We see that especially in the Gospels. We see Jesus doing something and then people responding to him in lots of different ways. So we'll be doing that today. We'll look at Jesus, we'll look at the main characters, who are they, We'll look at how they responded, and then we'll ask ourselves some questions about how we respond. Can we see ourselves in these characters? So hold that in your mind as we look at the characters today. The characters we meet in the first verse, in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So we have, we have our characters, we have Jesus, we have King Herod, and we have wise men from the East. Let's start with the first one, King Herod. King Herod, this is a little sidetrack, history. If you like history, you'll be excited. If you're bored by history, it's still exciting. Hold in there. Herod inherited part of the rule of part of Israel from his father. And the Parthians came in and they conquered the whole area and Herod ran away to Rome. And when he was in Rome, the Roman Senate commissioned him, they said to him, go back and take back this area for Rome, and you'll get to rule over it. And they said to him, we're giving you the title, we're bestowing upon you the title, King of the Jews. So Herod, King of the Jews, went back, and he conquered this promised land, and he um, was given the title, additionally, Herod the Great. So that's Herod. He was also famously paranoid. He was so worried that someone would take his power that he saw plots and conspiracies in everything. He was uh, so worried that he poisoned multiple of his sons and three sons and one wife he had killed, executed. And so they had a famous saying that rhymes in Greek, it's better to be one of Herod's pigs than his sons. Doesn't sound as good in English. Herod the Great. And then we have these wise men in our translation. It says wise men, or we sing the song about the three kings, or we, we read other translations, and it says magi, which is a word, it's, 
We have no, no concept of how often do we use that word in our everyday conversation. Tradition gives us their place of origin. It even gives us their names. But we're not sure how reliable that is. We're not sure. So we'll go from our text here, from what Matthew says. The Bible tells us that they were magi, which is just a transliteration of the word we find in the text. Um, it's not terribly helpful in helping us know exactly who they were and what they did, but we know they were probably part uh, magician, part counselor, part priest, perhaps. Uh, they were uh, astronomers, or more likely astrologers. And so we know something about them. We do see another time when these, this type of person is mentioned in the Bible, in Daniel. Do you remember when Israel was in exile in Babylon? We see that Daniel becomes the, the chief of the wise men, the magi. And Daniel in this, in this passage is reading scripture, Jewish scripture, and he sees that God has set a certain time for Israel to come back from exile. And he prays, send us back to Jerusalem, God. An angel comes and he says, there is this certain amount of time until you'll go back from exile. Then there will be a certain amount of time until the rescuer will come. And then he'll be cut off. And so the angel lays out this timeline, and Daniel has these prophecies written down. And then hundreds of years later, perhaps, and this is just conjecture, certain of these wise men read these words of Daniel, and they've been counting the years and the days. They've been watching the stars. They've been waiting. They've been expecting. So perhaps it could be that these magi learned this skill, interpreting scripture from Daniel. But certainly they were waiting. They were expecting. They're not the kind of person you would expect to be waiting for Jesus. The person you would expect would be the people who, who uh, the Jewish people who have the prophecies, have the scripture, have the promises. But Herod, the king of the Jews, he is not excited to see Jesus. He has been waiting, and as soon as Jesus comes, he pounces on him as much as possible. He hears this rumor about the baby who has been born, who's born to be king of the Jews. That's my title. And he says, tell me when you find him, tell me where he is, because I want to <clears throat> worship him also. Israel was supposed to be waiting. The first four chapters of Matthew are all about these prophecies being fulfilled. These prophecies from hundreds of years ago, these signposts pointing to the coming king, the rescuer. But Israel wasn't waiting. They had given up hope. The Romans were in charge now. Herod was the king, the king of the Jews. The Magi were waiting. The whole world, the whole rest of the world was waiting. When we look at the best stories, when we look at other religions, we see people are waiting for a rescuer, for a savior, knights on white horses. Every culture has it. Everyone was waiting. The world was waiting. And you might expect the kings and the high priests to be the ones who first welcome the rescuer the high king, but nope, it's the astrologers. It's the shepherds out in the field that get the news announced to them. God has revealed himself 
not to whom you'd expect. This is the start of a theme. Jesus in the Gospels shows himself, reveals himself to people in ways they don't expect, and then they respond to him. And almost all the time, the people who were supposed to respond, the important, authoritative people, they do it wrong. They respond negatively. And the people who are supposed to be bad people, the big sinners, the outcasts, the poor, they respond to Jesus as a rescuer. Herod was threatened. Herod was so paranoid about losing his powers, that's all he could think of. And so when Jesus came, that's all he was thinking of, losing his authority. He was willing to do away with all the male infants in the area rather than risk being usurped. He was so concerned because he knew that if Jesus was the Lord, then he wasn't. The Magi, they searched, they worshipped, they gave their gifts, they gave what they had. They gave gold, which is the gift you give to a king. They gave frankincense, which is used in temple worship by the priests, the high priest. They gave myrrh, which is used in purifying the temple and also in, um, for dead bodies. So they recognized Jesus as the king, they recognized him as the high priest, and they recognized him in some way as the one who would die. This is part of a bigger story. At the beginning of Matthew, we see Jesus being pursued by Herod, and at the end, we see him being condemned by Pilate. The true king, the compassionate shepherd, has arrived in a way that nobody ever expected he would. He was recognized by those who had eyes to see. He was enthroned as king at the very end of the gospel in a way that no one could imagine on a cross with a crown of thorns, with a sign above him that said, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews. And a lone Gentile standing at the foot of the cross recognized him as being God's son, just like these Gentiles who came from the East recognize him as being the true king. So, what about us? Do we recognize Jesus as he reveals himself to us? We have a choice, don't we? We have the choice to ha of how we respond. Do we have eyes to see? Do we respond to Jesus as a threat to our authority? If Jesus is Lord, then I'm not. Do we give him what we have? Let me pray this prayer for us. And as I pray, ask yourself those questions. Jesus, how do I respond to you? King Jesus, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for coming to rescue us from sin and death. We are often afraid to recognize you as king. We don't want to give up our control. Your authority challenges us. We are sometimes scared to recognize you as the one in charge of our lives, our families, and our societies. But by your mercy, we recognize you as king, as Lord. We give you control of our lives, our homes, our church, our society. Make us people who follow you and help us to join you in transforming the world. Lord, 
in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Amen.